All right, welcome back to Inside Flicks. We're going to be doing our weekly discussion podcast. Uh, my name is Mike, and I'm here, like every week, with my two brothers, Richard and Raymond. Say hello, fellas. Hey. What up, world? <laughs> and what we do in this podcast, we like to talk about movies and television and just stuff that we've been watching or whatever, you know, we've been reading about. Just a kind of a free-form uh, discussion about movies and TV Let's start with uh, some of the movie trailers that came out this past week. Some something big. We we touched on it uh, last last episode, but let's talk about it fully because now we all got a chance to see it. It's the Avatar: The Way of the Water official teaser trailer, and this is you know obviously the 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 James Cameron long awaited, long in the making sequel to his twenty nineteen or no twenty nine. Mm-hmm. Science fiction, fantasy, blockbuster, Avatar. Rich, let's start with you. I, I want to hear I hear your thoughts because we haven't really talked about it. Yeah, from what I've heard, it's got a huge uh, downloads um, so far. So, oh yeah, yeah. The recently came out with a story about how this is one of the bigger viewed tra- trailer online on YouTube. Mm-hmm. One hundred forty-eight point six million views on the first day. I don't know how. I don't know how they they round that out because they release it on Twitter, they release it on uh, on YouTube and everywhere. Mm-hmm. And how are they supposed to know? I mean, I mean, they, well, I mean, it's, they don't know. It's just it's a, just a uh, approximate assu- number assumption. Yeah. All right. All right. But I mean, well, I think there's it proves. I think it proves that there's a huge interest in the film. Does oh, that yeah. result into box office numbers or ticket sales? I don't know. But I think it's definitely there's there's an interest around it. Yeah. But what's your what's your thoughts on, on watching the the teaser for the first time? Uh, I wasn't impressed that much. Uh, it, it I really expected more of a. Uh, well, first of all, I was very disappointed that uh, they didn't release it in 4K, or in in being James Cameron, I I was like <laughs> I would love to see it in released in 3D still. Because <laughs> when you think of Avatar, he started the 3D ph- phenomenon. Well, the, with, the, re- the first... resurgence of it, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, and this is going to be some uh, somehow it's going to be 3D. So bring it on. Bring, put it up on 3D. But I how mean, would you do that? I mean, you would need. What? Are you talking about like the, the old school red, <laughs> blue? No, no. You could put uh, 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 on YouTube. There's, there's trailers for uh, 3D trailers that, that's been up on YouTube before. Uh-huh. And so, the, but you, so you would, a, tra- a trailer just for like the five people that still have 3D TVs with me and you. <laughs> well, I'm one of the five. I have it in my room, and uh, I want to <laughs> see it in 3D. I mean, again, uh, so that, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but he's the, the James Cameron starred the 3D craze, and so, he's <laughs> and he's going to kill it with these movies. Because <laughs> look, I was not. I'm not. I'm, when I saw this teaser trailer. I was so just disappointed by it. I, it's not that I don't like Avatar. I'm not one of these guys who hated the Avatar movie, the, the original film. It. I defend it. I think it's a fun movie. Yeah, because c- c- uh, me and you kind of get in arguments about the movie all the time. And, <laughs> not all uh, the time. I, 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 well, well, we used to. Because <laughs> I, 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 never, I never liked Avatar. I, I, I d- never really understood the hype for the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't... I, I had zero interest in seeing the movie. That I I didn't even get. I didn't even watch it until it came out on on Blu-ray. 
And then uh, I watched it later in, on 3D Blu-ray to see if it, w- it made any any difference. And I was like, no, I, st- I still I still do, I, I, I don't care for this at all. <laughs> and so uh, I, I, th- I see this trailer and it, it really had it, it had zero reaction for me. But I know I know people love it and stuff. So, you know, I'm 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 glad, you know, they're, they're getting this. It's just. I don't know. This is James Cameron's MCU for me. Yeah, but uh, speaking the, about the trailer, the, who's the human guy? I mean, uh, there's a, there's a human guy uh, fighting with his son. The human guy, Jake, Jake's son. Okay, so that's his son. Okay, all right. Yeah, I had to look it up too because I like, oh, who's this kid? And I'm right, like, because I thought that was Jake at first, but uh, he, he he's obviously walking. So I thought maybe that he he went he finally got his magic legs. Remember in the first one, <laughs> the 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 the, the the troops said they were gonna uh, do this for you. Well, no, there's a shot back. There's a shot of that human boy hugging Jake as a the Navi character. Okay. okay. And yeah, it looks weird. <laughs> it looks like a weird. First, I didn't realize that he had a son, and I go, "Oh, did they? Did they do it?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's they, kinda, so I mean, he's half <laughs> Avatar. No, no. He, I guess he, they had, he had a son beforehand. I this is the thing. I don't remember Avatar, even though I defended. I haven't seen it for a very long time. So apparently, I think Jake had a boy before he had this relationship with, um, or maybe his, Zoe his, Santana's character. Okay, but no, I she he, it's it's half Avatar. No. Yeah. What? Wow. Let me see. <laughs> this is this is James Cameron. This is the guy. Do you remember what he wanted to do with Spider-Man? No. Well, he wanted to like uh he just wanted to like uh s- sexualize it and stuff. Sexualize Spider-Man? What does that mean? He just wanted to make it like a more more harmonial thing. Okay, uh, according <laughs> to uh a Wikipedia, it is Jake and uh Natiri, is that Natiri. how you say your name? Natiri. Natiri, yeah. It's so it's Jake and Natiri's uh, son. So he is half human, half Navi. Interesting. Is it though? Weird. But I mean that that was always the direction he was going to go in, right? I guess so, but that means they they had to do it without the Avatar, right? Ah, mm. <laughs> uh, yeah. What's going on with this movie? Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't explain that. I got you know what. I, uh, maybe it's time for me to rewatch Avatar. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but let's get back to the teaser because I, I, despite like some of these questions that we have about you know who's this boy and how this <laughs> is related to and how did 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 Natavi did Natavi actually give birth to this kid or whatever? Uh, it does look like it's they have expanded the universe a little bit where we see these blue oceans it feels like there's going to be another war coming because uh of course so you know the the industrial corporation is going to come in probably want to take some of the resources of the this planet from um pandora i guess and and they're going to do it again in the next avatar as well well it seems like well this is the thing i mean james cameron is going to spend next decade really on these movies because it's it's three well, that's sequels. What that's what he did last decade. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know, but it's like three or four sequels now, right? It's like four sequels. So it's this one and I three. Think, 
has he written the screenplays for more than just this one or just oh, the yeah. outlines? Yeah, I think no. he I think he sh- he's shot like three films already. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> back to back. Mm-hmm. Or psychopath. <laughs> so I, I so I really do think that Cameron is putting everything in that he has in these these sequels. I mean, at yeah. least co- creative wise. Right. And I do believe that Cameron sees this Avatar franchise as his way to kind of put his name out there with the other great science fiction writers and creators and illustrators and all that, right? So he really sees Avatar as his magnum opus. And you might think that's strange or you might not agree with that, but I I certainly think he wants to – this is like – for me, this is his dune you know he's yeah. he, he wants to be the new he wants to be the new Frank Herbert and this is his dune well this is well, the, may- this is the thing he um this is the only um uh, thing he actually created from 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 hmm. birth whatever Interesting. So. that's a good point so it's I mean, yeah it's, it's totally original it's, thing it's his thing. creation yeah, yeah. well i, I kind of see it more as like this is kind of james cameron especially if this ends up succeeding and especially if it succeeds anywhere, you know, just anywhere near as much as, you know, the last avatar. And I see this as kind of him doing his, his blockbuster for, you know, the, for, for this kind of modern day for, for, um, the kind of comic book going audience, you know, this is, this is what appeals to them. This is kind of just a, a movie with a bunch of, Blue CGI creatures going to wars with uh, guys in robot suits and mm. yeah, this is. I mean, this is not my. This is not what I want to see from James Cameron. But I mean, this is. This is you know. This is for today's audience. Well, I think uh, there's some truth, truth in that. I think Cameron does. He's always kind of been a guy who thinks of the audience like most of his movies are mainstream pop culture stuff they're not really obscure like think for instance titanic is very kind of milk toast when it comes to the the romantic elements so he's not a guy who thinks in obscurity or you know uh you know he's not someone who delves into uh eccentric kind of elements in his storylines he's very much a popular filmmaker yeah, but he and, that, and maybe that's the problem because I think if you look at something like Dune, or you look at the works of like Philip K. Dick or whatever, you know, or Isaac Asimov, those stories are not mainstream. You know, they're they're not like you know you would never say that those are kind of what people really love. But no. yeah, go ahead. What were you saying, Rich? Yeah, but he knows how to entertain. He he knows yeah. how to like. Yeah. I mean, yes. So this is going to be an epic. This is going to be a another war kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. So it's going to be exciting. It's going to be stuff like that. So uh, it's just is it going to be? Uh, I'm I'm just wondering how the uh, the upgrade in uh, the 3D or whatever it's going to be. Well, um, you know, you know, here's the, the here's technology. A, here's a here's a positive because I'm not again I'm not a fan of Avatar. I I didn't hate the movie you know i would give it probably like a b minus or something it's just like I, I i i don't understand the really the big the, the love for it and stuff but i will say this because it's james cameron knowing what the first avatar was i do think there is like a certain quality that we probably will get from this movie 
that is much kind of better than what I think the quality that we have been getting from a lot of recent blockbusters is. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of the recent blockbusters, I think, have been like kind of like in really sea territory movies. And I think, you know, this Avatar, you know, is is, is probably going to be better than that. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there's that to look forward to. I mean, a, a, a blockbuster that isn't, you know, a complete piece of crap like Doctor Strange 2. <laughs> well, I, I, I just I, I also I, I want to know what the hell's going to happen with the. Is it um, Stephen Lang and Scorny Weaver? I mean, are they going to be flashbacks? Because I thought they were both dead in the first one. Uh, uh, I think there are going to be flashbacks. Sigourney Weaver had an avatar. Maybe her avatar lives on. I don't know. That's Let me ask avatar. you really quick. So we never we we never got a 4K Blu-ray release of Avatar. You know, right? Uh, he has re-released it. No, but let me ask you. Do you think um, he he's going to do like a George Lucas type of thing where he updates the look of the original Avatar to look more like with the effects and updated look of the new Avatar? Not updated look, but the updated uh, whatever technology they're, they're using on it. And if they're if they're if they're really putting a HDR, um, whatever ninety ninety, um, you know, frames per second, frames per second, or whatever it is, yeah. It, um, if he, he'll match it with the first one, he'll try to do the best he can to match it with the first one. That's what. yeah, I th yeah. I don't think he's gonna upgrade the special effects because you know f just from looking from the at this new teaser trailer i don't see a major difference with the special that's effects. that's why that's why i was one at 4k and stuff like that so mm, to, to really compare the notes yeah I mean, but, I mean i mean but from what i could tell i mean it looks almost it's a little more a slight, yeah there's a slight detail difference there but not enough where i'm like oh my lord i'm shitting my pants you yeah know, okay. it's, it's like <laughs> oh my god it's, has it really been you know 12 years or since the last one right right it's almost no, kind it, of it, the same oh my god it looks like it was two, two so, years ago yeah it's a little sharper that's all and, uh, well i I, re I remember when i when i saw the trailer for this in theaters like with dr strange um when when the trailer came on you know there was like maybe like two people uh two people in the theater that were like oh my god a new avatar movie can you believe this a new avatar movie and then everyone else in the theater was just like you know still talking <laughs> 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 on their phone <laughs> yeah i think there's going to be a, a big generational difference i think older I would say older 30, 40 year olds are going to really want to go back to the movie theaters to watch this while younger than 25, I think they couldn't care less about it. Well, again, you could probably say the same thing about Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, Top yeah, Gun Maverick is going to be a real uh, uh, eye opener. Uh, eye opener. Yeah, I want to really see those numbers. And if, because if Top Gun Maverick is a bomb or, you know, I, I think it's going to make money. I just, I, I don't know if it's going to be a huge, huge hit, but if it's like, you know, if it's like, say, if it's, if really is a bomb, then that's going to like be like the mummy. Like, let, let's see if, it, let's, end, let's see if, um, Top Gun Maverick ends up making around 410, 420 million. Cause that's, a, that's what the mummy made. Mm -hmm. And I, I think there's a big chance Top Gun Maverick. That's what it's going to end up making worldwide. It's around the, a little over four hundred million dollars, uh, and I think Paramount is hoping and expecting the movie to make much more than that. Because from what I understand, they spent a lot of money on this movie. 
Yeah, so it, we'll see. I mean, we'll see with Top Gun if because if Top Gun doesn't make that much money, I think it's going to really be earth shattering. And four hundred million is still a ton of money. Yeah, it's just yeah. you know, for when you spent this much, when you spent this much on on eighties nostalgia sequel, I mean, <laughs> and also a lot, you know, that promotion is going to be a lot of a lot of millions of dollars into the promotion to promote that movie. So yeah, it's 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 going to be earth-shattering if it becomes a if it is a bomb and i think a lot of people in hollywood's going what do we do next do do we just all bet on superhero movies and that's it well it's kind of like what uh, you've been predicting behind the scenes mike they're gonna start doing sequels and reboots of things from the 90s yeah i think that's an inevitable anyway and i think it's already we're already see signs of that coming uh white man can jump like 90s and, and soon early 2000s. Yeah. I mean, it, pretty soon it's going to be the remakes of the remakes, you know, uh, and the remakes. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's coming. Um, but no, I think it's going to be all superhero movies. And I think we're going to see more but, announcements like Bad Bunny, <laughs> stuff like that, you know. Oh, yeah. These obscure comic book movies that don't make any sense, but they're going to have big kind of obscure, well, not I guess Bob, Bad Bunny is not an obscure superstar, but like these weird superstars that we, for a He's particular- He's playing an obscure character. Yeah. So I think that we're going to see a lot more of those announcements. Like here's, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he's playing this obscure comic character or whatever. Yeah. Here's um, uh, Dakota Fanning playing Madam Web. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's coming, right? It's going to be even more of that. All right. Uh, another uh, trailer that came out this past week uh, was the Orville New Horizons, mm-hmm. long-awaited third season of Seth MacFarlane's Star Trek-inspired comedy series. Rich, tell us about it. I mean, uh, you've been waiting for this for a long time. Fucking forever, man. <laughs> no, yeah, I I, I recently uh, rewatched season two and. Um, I forgot how funny it was, how 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 true Star Trek it was. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Star Trek Next Generation. Yeah, and you know more like a, you know with the Galaxy Quest kind of hilarious hilarity we got. You know. Well, uh, Rich, you're a big fan of uh, Star Trek Discovery, right? Oh hell no! <laughs> <laughs> no, this, these Star Treks are so disappointing. I mean, have you seen the new one? Yeah, I saw the new one. It, it's more of the same i I don't trust i don't trust the the creators uh kiva's goldsmith and alex kurtzman Mm -hmm. or whoever's involved yeah um i i I don't trust it it, the yeah uh, it's just more of the same crap i mean so why do but that's but that's not the problem with the orville no why 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 the orville's getting it right and not the, the new star trek uh series well, you could tell. Look at the the ship of the Orville. It's just basic. I mean, it's whole like uh, it's it's coming. It, it looks like a set. I mean, and then you look at the um, it looks like it it's 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 a star. It's a set. It's a Star Trek set kind of thing, and um, it's it's really basic. It's 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 keeps it with the traditional um, looking starships and of the Star Trek Next Generation, all that stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But if you look at um, Discovery and you look up at this new, uh, what was it the um, the world, something. Yeah, brand new world. I don't know what it was. Um, they totally made it look like um, um, 
they made it more like a um like a star wars kind of thing they made it more um realistic too realistic but besides that like what 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 are the problems you have with it oh uh well brand new world just started so i I just i just don't trust it. it it was a fine first episode uh second episode was just okay um, but, uh, I like, I like, um, uh, Anson Mount. I always liked Anson Mount because I was a fan of his and Hell on Wheels. I saw all Hell, Hell on Wheels and he's fantastic. He's and you loved, uh, and you loved the Inhumans, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I was so looking forward to Inhumans. Um, he, he deserves so much better. Well, I did see, I did see the first episode of Star Trek New Worlds and I, like, I agree. I think Anson Mount is the only one who's saving that show. Yeah. And it's only one episode, so we can't, you know, we can't really tell. But uh, and it, it, it at least it's trying to go back to that mission of uh, mission of the week kind of episodes. You know, mm-hmm. like every episode is going to be a, a new mission, which is not the case of uh, Discovery. It, it's a kind of a scripted, connected uh, miniseries or whatever. But they 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 continually try to put so much so much drama, 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 drama on the show, and everyone's crying for no yeah, reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, no, it's like mean, a telenovela. Yeah, at points. Exactly. Uh, you yeah. know, like Michael Berman's character or whatever the character's name. Played by uh, the girl from Walking Dead, I can't remember, yeah. but she is always crying. It's not, not an episode that goes by, goes by that she's not crying, like right. full on, like bawling. Mm-hmm. And Star Trek, particularly, you know, Doctor Spock and or you know, at least some uh, some of these characters, devoid of emotion, you know, and it's all about intellect and it's all about kind of you know trying to put your emotions in check, and yet. It does come up once in a while when it when it when it needs to. Is that great kind of uh, uh, movie, the Star Trek movie, where Spock or where, where uh, Kirk goes? I want my emotions. I need my emotions. But it's 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 not. It's done in a way where it's very Shakespearean. It's not like mm-hmm. telenovela stuff. It's not you know soap opera stuff. Mm-hmm. That's the problem I have with the new Star Trek. Uh, like there's no intelligence with the writers. It's all just kind of driven by emotion. And the Orville, you know, I'm a fan of the Orville too. Uh, McFarland, I think he understands why next gen works and why it's it, it he and also I think I love I love some of the episodes where you could see the allegory of some of these modern social issues that comes up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they handled all of that stuff really well. Those some of the best episodes on the show. And he still is able to have fun with those episodes and yeah. have uh, some humor there. And it's not always like, um, uh, it's not like, uh, it's not offensive humor. It's. And, and I'm not the biggest fan of Seth MacFarlane. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, that's true. I mean, uh, this, this is probably the best series you like him from. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think uh, uh, the writers he he is. I mean, look, we'll see what what he brings to New Horizon, which is the third season. Which I think we haven't seen the. I mean, when's the last time they aired? Like way back in twenty eighteen or something like that. It was a long time. The yeah. pandemic. Yeah, it's a they, while. They delayed it because of the pandemic and. But I mean, this new season. I'm based on the trailer. It looks like it has a much bigger budget. Yeah, this new trailer was uh, very. Um, uh, uh, they they kind of steered away from the comedy. I think they they're like they're like they're they're trying to make it look like a I seemed that direction. way a little bit. Yeah, I'm um, I'm I'm okay with that though because uh, I do think the hom- the comedy in the Orville was a bit hit and miss at times. Like like when it worked, it worked, but there was a lot of times where it's like yeah maybe you know. <laughs> 
Let's, yeah. f- let's focus a bit more on the plot. <laughs> yeah, it's, it doesn't have to be so, so many dick jokes and stuff like that. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm I'm okay, I'm okay with that actually. Um, let's yeah. see, let's see, let's see how it turns out. I mean, I'm looking forward to the new season. I, I you know, the the they advertising the promo that this is kind of its new home is at Hulu, and uh, let, let's see how that works out for them because with Hulu, I think I'm assuming. McFarlane has more freedom and stuff. I, I don't know. I hope so. I mean, I, I hope I hope there's uh, there's some give and take there. Uh, I mean, maybe it's maybe. a shorter se- se- series or season, but I, I'm and not I'm, sure. I'm I'm usually okay with that. <laughs> I'm okay with short seasons <laughs> if it means like you know better, higher quality, and you know a bigger budgets for those episodes. Then I'm yeah, I'm okay with that. Well, I'm just glad we're getting a new season because. The last week or so, they announced like a lot of cancellations of TV shows. Like they cut Damn. a lot of fucking shows. Uh, yeah, the, like Magnum PI was cut. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like there was like a lot of uh, 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 CW, uh, DC Le- Legends of Tomorrow was cut. I mean, everything I, I, on the CW got canceled, right? Batwoman yeah. was cut. Um, if you were if you were even close to the bubble, you're cut. Yeah, I mean they they just took the the axe and just start swinging, swinging, and they didn't stop. Naomi, which which was a new series that came out this this year, oh, that yeah. was cut. <laughs> Roswell was cut. Yeah, I think they're gonna go um, more uh, reality TV, mm-hmm. anything cheap. Oh, game shows, right? Yeah, that's the, probably the cheapest thing they could do. Yeah, and now uh, bringing a lot of numbers. Yeah, because shows don't work. Well, for for the networks. Yeah, you know, yeah, for the networks. Yeah. Well, let's go into let's talk about a little bit about Fred Ward. Um, mm. Fred Ward was this character actor who passed away, and um, he was seventy nine years old. And uh, he, I guess he's best known for Tremors. At least that's how I remember him from. But he had yeah. a lot of different kind of um, Remo Williams, right? In the eighties, he was a mm-hmm. that's a cult action movie where he played Remo Williams. Tell us about it, Rich. Well, Remo Williams was the one that he's, it was all him and he he was the star. And I think it was just like a, like a bond. uh, I I remember enjoying it as a kid. And I think he was like a, like, you know, like an American bond kind of a thing, you know, like a A spy, like like a spy. Yeah. Like a hero. Yeah. yeah, It's part kind of karate, part James Bond, part kind of save the president kind of thing. And, and, but I remember always being in the uh, Statue of Liberty. That's the poster. The the fight. Yeah, Yeah. The main fight. But yeah, I remember it being a, a good movie for back in the day. I, I liked it. And Fred Ward was this kind of type of, uh, I guess, character actor who was very rugged. Mm-hmm. And he kind of, I, I guess you could say he was like this next generation of, uh, or his generation of like maybe Charles Bronson or, I don't know, like a, like more, maybe an obscure character actor. I don't well, know he how- Clint, Clint Eastwood, he, he was an escape from Alcatraz, so that's one uh, one of his breakout roles. Mm-hmm. Eventually got uh, to, to the huge cast with uh, the right stuff, and that's that was a huge hit for him. And then, uh, of course, Silkwood, and then but his best film that I remember his is Uncommon Valor. That's the best one. <laughs> that's 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 the ensemble I remember. I remember that movie for sure. <laughs> that's but, yeah. a Vietnam kind of. Uh, yeah, we're gonna get someone stuck in Vietnam. What's it? Uh, Gene Hackman's son. Uh, uh, he, he no, it was Pactor. Was Pactor Swayze's brother? 
No, no. Gene Hackman's son. Oh, okay. What was uh was a POW? Patrick Swayze's brother was a uh, was um either killed or also you know, no, I think he was killed. But okay. he was all he, he was part of their team. He's he was part of their he right. was part of their team. Uh, um, whatever. He was the son of their um, Fred Ward's team. Whatever. Um, so Gene Hackman's basically the the colonel. Mm-hmm. And he's getting his old Vietnam buddies back into action to save his son who was left in Vietnam as a prisoner, a POW. Right, right. And it's like kind of like. It's, it wasn't his old. Yeah, I guess his old team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And then Patrick Swayze was the younger brother of one of the members. Right. Or son. Or son. Maybe son. Yeah. Cause, maybe cause, it was son. Yeah. Yeah. But Randall Tex Cobb, baby sailor. <laughs> and, yeah, that, uh, and, that, and that, that and, dancing in the end. <laughs> And Reb Reb Brown, who was uh, Captain America in the first. Oh Captain. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he was the blonde surfer-looking guy. Mm-hmm. He was the first Captain America. Reb Reb Brown. He's in it. And um, who's the other characters? Oh, Tim Thomerson, mm-hmm. who was a great kind of B actor. This yeah, no one really talks about this movie. I, I love this movie. No. Fred yeah. Ward was like the the bomb guy, right, or something like that. Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. He was like yeah. bomb expert, or was he the tunnel rat? I can't remember. Well, he was a tunnel rat too. Yeah, okay, maybe, okay, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what? Maybe he was just a yeah. Maybe he's the Wolverine of the team. Yeah, he was great. Yeah, he was great. Yeah, uh, Raymond, do you know Fred Ward at all? Yeah, but um, tremors at least. Yeah, mostly from just like kind of like lame action movies or like lame comedies. <laughs> Nick and Gun three and third. third you mean third, great, third third. great movies, great action movies. Not from the best films. <laughs> Not I I mean I I never I never knew him from I guess like some of his um more prestigious work, I guess. Like shortcuts or stuff like that. I never got around to seeing that one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I just, and I never saw any I never saw Reno Williams or I guess any of his early like like big leading roles and stuff like that. But I remember just see, I just seen him last weekend in um, Naked Gun thirty three and a third and mm-hmm. oh, wow he was, the, he was the main villain right mm-hmm. and yeah. yeah he was funny he was he, he was also known for his co- uh, comedies he was no jo- yeah he's funny he was Joe Dirt's dad <laughs> Joe oh, Dirt yeah uh, so he was able to do uh, different genres unfortunately he was not able to like break through that kind of B movie kind of. Uh, Oh no! Persona. No, but he he worked he worked like consistently throughout his entire career. Yeah, yeah he has he had small roles in like Silkwood and also uh, one of my favorite Thunderheart with Val Kilmer. And- yeah, he was like a kind of this uh, guy who came in the eighties and in the uh, late seventies, eighties, in the nineties, where he was like kind of this known character actor. And I guess Tremors, I mean, let's start, let's end it in this, you know, discussion of Fred Ward with Tremors, because I think Tremors is, is probably maybe the most famous movie that he did. And he was as important for this movie that that, that, uh, that brought a lot to it. And, and he played very well uh, opposite Kevin Bacon. They yeah. two, they, both of them made a very great team together and, um, yeah, I love Tremors, man. Tremors was one of those movies that I just really watched all the time. And yeah, I was, I just, I was, it's unfortunate because I was waiting for Fred Ward to, Fred Ward to break out. And he never broke out. It's kind of, he was kind of stuck in some kind of uh, pigeonhole or something. Um, I guess that happens for, for some people. 
All right, let's talk about Spinal Tap. It seems like um, Rob Reiner is getting the old gang back together again to do Spinal Tap 2, a sequel, a long-awaited sequel to the, the rockumentary or mockumentary classic. I don't know. I mean, is this too, a little bit too late? Well, honestly, like like when I heard this, like I was like, this this is so desperate. This is a, <laughs> a dumb idea. This is bad. But then I started to think about it, and I'm like, well, you know, all of those bands that they like parodied, they're all still touring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. So then I was like, you know what? You could probably make a pretty funny documentary, a mockumentary, uh, with these guys again. I mean, I'm like, you know what? I think I think you could. I think they could do it. I think it makes sense. I think I think you could do it. <laughs> well, you it's it's Christopher Guest, it's Michael McKean, and it's Harry Shearer. Yeah. And they're going to be coming back together for this thing. Now I heard yeah, that, and they and these guys still get back together every now and then, and uh, the do, do albums shows, like yeah, a, yeah, yeah. I mean, they they still get every you know every like I don't know ten years. Yeah. So. Well, I heard that they the reason the main reason behind this was that because the copyright was going to uh, run out, so they mm. had to do something to cook, to maintain the copyright for, for these the characters for these characters. Oh. I, I'm, I'm not sure if that's the, the if that's just a rumor or whatever, but I heard that 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 so they needed it to do at least something to maintain the copyright for the movie because it's been so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, look, if they could come up with a really good story and a really good hook, I think this it would be this would be funny. Spinal Tap. It's you know the band Spinal Tap is actually a very funny concept. To have these kind of, uh, well, you know, it started out as these egotistical kind of stupid rock stars. And I think when it came out in the early 80s, was it early 80s? or Yeah, I think it was early 80s. It was kind of making fun of like kind of that Led Zeppelin era kind of, um, I don't know, Bob Dylan type of rock star where they were taking way too serious, right? You know, people were, you know, like the Beatles, right? So when every, every time the Beatles said something, they would write news stories about what they said. And they were taking their, everything they say too seriously. Mm-hmm. And and they would make big news about it. Like the Beatles said they were, like John, I remember John Lennon said like he was bigger than, than God or Jesus. And I think that's what, that was the kind of the impetus of, of, of this is Spinal Tap. They were kind of saying, no, these rock stars are not really anything. They're kind of stupid. <laughs> and we shouldn't take them that seriously. And I think that's what's so, what's so funny about it. So it, to, to bring them back to modern day and, you know, I think it would be a very interesting idea if they kind of to have these characters come back and, and then try, have someone say, hey, maybe you're, you should stop rocking. Because didn't they do a, a reunion tour not not long ago? I mean, maybe like twenty years ago. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean they kept they, they kept on doing no, these characters. Did, I think they I think they did one like ten years ago. Yeah, I think they went on Jimmy Fallon show, right? Oh, that didn't they? Or I mean, I mean, I'm thinking something else. But it seems like they 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 have kept together. Yeah, they always get back together for every decade or so. Yeah. <laughs> If they could get, you know, Netflix to they'll 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 write a check, no problem. Yeah, I think this has definitely come out on the streamer. But let let's let's just say that this were to come out in theaters, like I don't see this being a hit at the box office. Like if the 
Andy Samberg movie, uh, pop star never stop popping, you know, ended up being a massive box office failure. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is Spinal Tap would be a hit, you know, with today's audiences. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. But, uh, I mean, you never know. We'll see. Well, maybe it'll start with DJ Khaled and, uh, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it's like, what's the worst scenario to, for the sequel to have all like, DJ Khaled and like all like Cardi B like all yeah. having well, them. I think there's a I, I think there's a huge chance that all those people will pop up in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. I don't definitely uh, Machine Gun Kelly. <laughs> yeah. Is that going to be the joke? Like all you know, here's some old rock stars. Now they have to rub elbows, rub elbows with like these modern day kind of music well, stars. Will, well, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Maybe that's just part of it. Mm. Well, yeah, like like you said, we'll we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Um, let's talk really quick. Let's talk about James Hong, uh, character actor, beloved character actor. At ninety three, he has uh, finally got recognized with a Hollywood Walk of Fame. This is kind of a campaign that happened during the last couple of years. They were trying to get his uh, name into the Hollywood Walk of Fame. He's now the star or co-star in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. So it's great timing. He's able to promote the movie and also get recognized for his work. Uh, there was an article that came out like a couple years ago where they kind of talked about his credentials and how he was kind of uh, – they kind of announced him or, or revealed that he was probably the uh, an actor with the most credits under his belt – he had like a 460 t- television shows, like 150 feature films, and he also had a lot of voices. You know, he's known for Blade Runner. He's known for uh, the voice of Kung uh, Kung um, Kung Fu Kung, Panda. Kung Blade Fu Runner, Panda, yeah. yeah. Big Trouble Little China. Big Trouble Little China. Uh, just it's it's just great that we are recognizing these people. These character actors, and you know, yes, it took forever, but at least we're doing it. You know, it's never too, it's uh, never, never late. What's this, what's that saying? It's never um, better late than never. Better late than never. Yeah, um, yeah. Rich, what's your feelings about James Hong getting this award, this uh, Hollywood Walk of Fame? Yeah, I mean, I, I saw the, uh, the how when he got it, and. Uh, uh, <laughs> He, he looked like he uh, he really enjoyed it this day, in the in the sunlight and the spotlight, and it's well deserved, man. I mean, it, it, he has a long long career. Him and uh, Mako should have had one also. I mean, uh, who also deserved one, but yeah, Mako sticks, yeah. It's unfortunate that Mako died uh, like what 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, great great uh, Japanese actor. Um, a Japanese American actor. Yeah, and I, I actually I thought he had a, a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame like a long time ago. Who James Hong? Yeah, I, I'm just kind of surprised that he uh, just got it now. Mm. Every time an actor gets one, I'm always surprised that they're they're just getting it now. I'm like, really? But how that other person you know get one you know like five years ago yeah, or how, whatever? How did Ryan Seacrest get? Get a, a walk in the Hall of Fame. Oh, you know what? Mako did get one in uh, 1994. So, yeah. Oh, good. Good, yeah. good. Because, uh, yeah, you know, Mako, he, you know, he's been a character actor in the 80s, too. And his name came up because they're, we're going to celebrate Conan the Barbarian's 40th uh, anniversary. Mm-hmm. And so, and he's in, he's in that movie. So, Mako 
he he co- you know he's also connected with James Hong because they both kind of are the founding members of this um, acting troupe uh, in, in uh, Hollywood right. called East West Players that have been a very influential organization to help per, you know promote Asian American actors, and so it just it's great that you know we're seeing these guys recognize. Yeah. Uh, Raymond, what, 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 how was – I haven't seen everything everywhere all at once. Is James Hong great in that movie? And is, does he have a large part or maybe he has a smaller part? It's or, a, as a, as a, it is a smaller role, but he is fantastic in the movie. And I do think it's like his – well, yeah, I think, I, think it, I think it's one of his – I think it's his best role in years. Mm-hmm. I think that's the best way to put it. I don't want to say it's like his best performance in years because I I really do think he's a guy that always like kind of gives it his all and he's always great no matter what he's doing. But but yeah he and he he has a lot to do in it because again it is a multiverse movie right and you know he's doing kind of various different versions of the same character and when we first see him in a movie and it's kind of like depressing because he's playing like this kind of like weak old man and he plays it really well mm-hmm. but then later in the film you know you, you see him play the much energetic versions of that character and um and uh yeah i mean it 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 it, it, it is truly a fantastic role for him so it, it is kind of a, a great time for him and 93 and 93 years old yeah. jesus well, yeah, yeah should have got it a long time ago <laughs> you could watch it you could watch him getting his uh hollywood walk of fame on youtube and yeah he's very <laughs> energetic uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is there. She she says a couple. She she said a couple words in his behalf, and they 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 seem like they they're good friends uh, after making the movie. Um, um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's just really fun to watch the, some of these guys who never really get any recognition now getting recognition and and much deserved recognition. And you know, and he's also great in comedy. You know, he's you, you remember him in Wayne's World too. <laughs> And you remember him in like Balls of Fury, and some uh, uh, countless countless sitcoms. Right? Yeah, a lot of TV, a lot of TV in the eighties and nineties. So yeah, the guy. Seinfeld. Yeah, I'm just I'm just happy that he was able to get something, you know, because usually a lot of people don't get anything, and they work so hard in the business. You know, I think they said he was seventy years in the business, seventy years in this goddamn business, and you know, it's, that's a that's a feat. Finally, some acknowledgement. Right? <laughs> yeah, really. Um, all right, let's let's just uh, go into what we've been watching. Rich, you, I think you wanted to talk about uh, Winning Time. Yeah, and uh, Winning Time, the the Lakers. Uh, um, I guess you could say documentary. Well, it's what well, everybody's saying. It's a docu- documentary. <laughs> it's a docudrama. Yeah, yeah, docudrama um, comedy. I guess. Uh, yeah, where everybody involved, everyone involved in the real life in the in the, in the show, everyone's pissed off about the yeah. show. <laughs> but I love it; it's fantastic, <laughs> and it's so entertaining to see these uh, characters. I mean, they are characters. I mean, they're 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 real life people, but they are characters in the show, and mm-hmm. and that's what it is. I mean, it's a show. It's you, you got to have entertainment, in it, and and it is. It's totally entertaining, and and it's not just basketball. I mean, it's 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 their lives and how 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 uh, uh, Jerry Buss, uh, uh, played by John C. Riley, uh, oh Doctor Jerry Buss, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, uh, it, it's 
it's one of his best performances, um, and I would really love to see this this show get uh, Emmy nominated and Emmy nominations. And uh, um, uh, it, it was just a it was a good sh- it was a good show. It was a good show for HBO. It just uh, and I'm glad it got picked up for season two. Yeah, I mean, uh, Jerry West came out. The real Jerry West came out and said yeah. he hated the per- yeah. his portrayal. Mm-hmm. Kareem Abdul uh, uh, Jabbar came out and he said he hated the movie. He said it was totally fiction. Uh, you know, so some some of the people who are, are being portrayed in, in the series have come out and said that, that they hate this stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they say it's all phony, but I, that's what I like. It's at least it's, this is not like Bohemian Rhapsody <laughs> where everyone's <laughs> like everyone loves each other and it's like mm. uh, uh, you could tell that that was a bullshit story. There's no way that. Uh, that all kind of played out like that. Right. Uh, so, but then again, I, you know, like uh, for me. So it's, it's same thing. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, for me, for winning time, I think when it focused on the basketball, I think it was probably the best stuff I've seen all year. Yeah. There's one episode where where um, uh, Tracy Letts playing the coach, Jack McKinney. And mm-hmm. he's coming up with the th- the fast break, or he's coming right. up with the, this kind of the lightning fast kind of uh, ball playing, mm-hmm. and it's probably one of the best episodes I've seen this year. Just because it's all focus, it's you know it's about how they came came up with this kind of game plan, how to attack it, how to to uh, and ultimately it revolutionized how we see basketball now. It, it really taught me a lesson about how basketball was played back then and how from this moment on, basketball was changed because mm-hmm. back then it was kind of just normal, d- dribble, pass it a few times, and then, you know, shoot it in the hoop where this was about you know, fast pace. This is about a rhythm. This is about, you know, feeling your other teammates. It's about driving, going hard as you can, and change really changing the pace of, of the of the game forever. Mm-hmm. And I think that episode alone was the best thing I've seen all year of, of any show. Unfortunately, it had a lot of episodes where I like, oh, you know, like there's some like very gossip type of stuff where I go, oh, can we just go back to the basketball stuff? But I think the last couple of episodes when we saw it was just really kind of uh, riveting when they were dealing with the the finals and and what they what the Lakers had accomplished. And this season's only 19 it's only set in 1980 season, you know, the right. first the first so first year. so so and you I don't know how much is true because I'm not a, a historian when it comes to the Lakers, so I don't know how much of that stuff is made up. But there was a lot of drama that 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 can, that happened, and I didn't really realize that you know Pat Riley was a you know a um, uh, uh, yeah announcer and yeah. a, a assistant coach. You know, I didn't know his kind of background. I didn't know about a lot of background, a lot of stories about these these guys. So. It was. I thought it was fun, and it, it's a hit. You know, a, a lot of people love it. It's. A, it's I think it, it had a lot of um, uh, viewers, mm-hmm. and it, uh, probably one of the bigger hits of of for HBO Max. And you could tell because they kept it at one episode a week, mm-hmm. so that they kept you coming back for more every week. Yeah, uh, 
Raymond, are you going to try to try this uh, <laughs> show again, or are you going to just say screw it? Because I think you're, you know, one of your complaints was the the style, the way they shot the the show, where they kind of use uh, different cameras. There's video camera. There's like kind of sixteen millimeter, and then different other kind of like. TV or digital cameras. Yes, you, yes, you're right, Mike. For me, the show is very uh, over stylized, mm -hmm. but that's not the only problem. I also just didn't really like the way it was kind of written. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was very kind of over the top and just like um, it was just it was it wasn't what I was expecting from the show. And a lot of the criticisms I've heard from you <laughs> from since then kind of make me think that uh, it, it, you know my my criticisms kind of uh, continued throughout it and the problem my problem the problems i had with the series kind of continued to get worse and um while i'm sure there are bright sides the bright sides that you guys have brought up to me don't sound uh good enough to uh overcome the things i don't like about it okay that's fine uh is there something that you've seen recently raymond um yeah i guess i saw something uh on netflix that you guys also watched um uh Number probably the number one movie on Netflix right now. I would say probably. I'm guessing is it? Um, yeah. Well, you're talking about senior year. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Is it the number one? Is it the number one movie on Netflix right now? Yeah, according to Netflix. Yeah. Oh wow! Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, so this is the Rebel Wilson comedy. Uh, Rich, how would you describe it? It's like kind of like a uh, high school girl goes um, uh, a cheerleader, uh, cheerleader high school girl who. Who uh was in a coma? Get, who was battling against to get, to become uh, popular, uh, um, more and more popular, and uh, to to fulfill a wish of to becoming a prom queen? Oh, uh, after a, a, a stunt gone wrong, with a cheerleading stunt gone wrong, uh, slips into a coma or gets for twenty years and wakes up. And, and comedy she, ensues. <laughs> she decides to go back to school and finish yeah. her high, her senior year. Mm -hmm. Like a bunch of kind of like PG thirteen comedies that you know come out you know throughout I guess the early two thousands. That's what I would say. Yeah, I mean, it, I I think that's kind of I what the movie was going for. Like when you watch the film, uh, it's a very kind of um, safe comedy. I think I guess the one thing that I, I would say kind of stuck out to me is that there is this kind of like I guess commentary in the film about how um in the in the nineties uh I get I guess you know people were uh, I, I guess more selfish or whatever and I and uh, just I kind of cared more about themselves and there's kind of this commentary now that all the people kind of that kind of like got got bullied back then I guess are are kind of now in charge and are kind of like making everything all all PC now. <laughs> yeah i guess so yeah yeah I guess that's that's something that kind of that's something that kind of stuck out to me but they they do it in a way that's very kind of um i don't know safe right a little safe. yeah very safe very uh, safe in a very safe way yeah it seemed like they wanted to make a kind of a commentary about the differences between the, these two generations these guys who kind of grew up in the late 90s and early 2000s and, and then yeah and they're making jokes about both sides yeah and then, they, but they never really kind of go into it and like try to um, pick, a, yeah, like pick a point or whatever. They kind of like they kind of drop it. I mean, at one point she's like saying stuff like, "Oh, you know, you can't say gay or whatever." 
you can't say certain you can't say certain words now because they're kind of un, uh, you know not PC, and and so and also about competition like they don't want they want they don't want to uh, mm-hmm. inspire competition with with the young kids now because everyone needs to get a trophy. I think they were trying to make a commentary on this kind of trophy generation. Mm-hmm. But they don't go into it or they kind of stop and say, well, I don't want to offend these kids because maybe that's our core audience. So let me back off or something. And so they it, they play it very safe and they play it right, right on, the, on, the, on the middle of the line there. And um, I don't know. I mean, I like the concept. I like this concept of like someone getting in, in, a, in a coma, waking up and saying – Okay, let me finish high school now. I kind of think that was a funny premise. That's what I got from the trailer, but like a sketch. Yeah, but it just didn't turn out to be that funny at all. I, it's it's not. That's a fu- the problem with the movie. Right? Yeah, it's not funny. I agree. It's I, not mean, fu- I mean, I mean, I think the cast is actually pretty good. I, I mean, I don't think I don't think I really had any. No, I didn't have any issues with anybody really in the cast. Um. I think the cast is kind of what what saves it from being a complete disaster, really. <laughs> yeah, I mean Sam Richardson, who's been funny in other sh- TV shows or or film, he's in here. He's okay. Uh, Mary Holland, who plays the 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 Rebel Wilson's best friend, who's now the principal of the high school, she's funny in other stuff too. I've seen her being funny in other stuff, but you know here she's like uh, she's okay. Chris Parnell, who's from SNL. He was, we've seen him, you know, Anchorman. He's hilarious in Anchorman. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's okay in this. He's, he's fine. Well, he's know? not, he's not playing the comedic role in this movie. No, he's playing the, you know, Rebel Wilson's father. And he's actually does a great. good job. He does a good job playing yeah. the father. He has a great he's, voice. I mean, it is weird. It, it is weird casting because he, he looks like almost younger than Rebel Wilson at times. <laughs> <laughs> Rich, uh, what's your thoughts on senior, senior year? Yeah. It's from a, um, a a TV director, and uh, I think it's it's, um, it's it's not very it's not very well done. Yeah, the premise could have um, the premise was more. Yeah, the whole premise was good, but it, the the, uh, the what they brought to screen was just not not fulfilling at all. Yeah, um, and Gory Rice um, was was really good as the young um, Rebel Wilson, I guess. Uh, and Goria Rice, she's from uh, the Spider-Man films, and she's uh, she was in Nice Guys. Yeah. yeah, she was really good in Nice Guys, like really great. And here she's kind of playing a socially obsessed cheerleader who gets in the coma, and then she wakes up and she turns into Rebel Wilson. What what's your, what's your thoughts on Rebel Wilson? I mean, I find that that now that she is older, it's kind of the same problems I have with Will Will Ferrell. This kind of antics, these kind of you know slapstick a- antics, works when you're much younger, and when she hit a, per- a certain age, and I see this in like some of the recent Will Ferrell comedies, it becomes not funny anymore. It becomes sad when you're acting like this, you know, and that's why I kind of like that's the thing that di- didn't work for me. Well, Rebel Wilson is doing this kind of stick that we've seen her done before, but it's. Now that she's in this, you know, have gotten older, it now has become just kind of tired, I guess. No, I think it was just the script itself. I think she did a fine. Uh, I, I think she did an okay job. Um, Justin Hartley from uh, This Is Us did very good in his in his role. Um, 
He, he's the only one. Him and Chris Parnell is the only one who delivered the, the, the laughs. Yeah. yeah. Everyone else was just okay. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, it's a Netflix film. <laughs> it's a Netflix film. It's <laughs> unfortunately, another, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Well, job to just, Add a little something about Justin Hartley because I think when Justly, Justin Hartley comes in around the halfway mark, and he's he's playing uh, a Rebel Wilson's um, old flame, her, mm-hmm. her ex boyfriend from high school. Now he's married to a Rebel's rival, yeah. Uh, um, and so, and I thought he was hilarious. You know, he, he's a yeah. Guy, he could have easily played a bigger dickhead. I mean, uh, but he, no, he played it. Cool. I mean, he was a good. He was a good dude. He was a he was a pompous prick too. I mean, I, I like the, like the he. The, I know him from This Is Us, where he's kind of playing like the, you know, he's playing a character that's no, nothing like this character, and I I found it very funny because he's it seems like he was tapping into his version of James Spader, and like he was playing a James Spader type of character from like Pretty in Pink or something. And I, uh, I, I disagree. Thought, I, I don't think it was that. Uh, uh, that that uh, um, heartless. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he wasn't that heartless. But I mean, I think he was trying to tap into that stuff, right? He's a little, mm. he's a little, little bit of a uh, a weasel. But uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know, man. I thought he was so thinly written that I, I think you have really have to stretch it to even come up with come up with those things. <laughs> I think they could have easily centered this movie around those that 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 relationship, and it would have been a lot funnier. And I, I don't think Rebel Wilson needed to go back in high school and become a cheerleader again. They could have easily writ, write this kind of scenario where she wants to become go back to high school and be the cheerleading coach. No, but but that no, that's, but she uh, had the uh, the death of her mom thing, whatever. The last wish. I, Kind of yeah, the, yeah. I mean, but rewrite that too. Mm. But go ahead. Remember? Well, I, I, they, well, they wanted, they wanted to do a thing where she was like this, um, you know, still this like seventeen-year-old girl, you know, and and this old, old, older woman's body. So, so she had to, she had to, you know, not be a teacher. She had to go back to, to see to to school or whatever. Uh, I don't care about that. Uh, I, but the, the the thing is, I, I feel like the main reason why they even made her a cheerleader or why they even, you know, did this whole thing to begin with is just so they could have a bunch of dance sequences throughout the movie. Because there's like there's a bunch of dance sequences throughout the movie that I, I, I like that I, I was kind of confused by after a while. And they don't, uh, the whole third act is just one long dance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the. the... Yeah, I mean, uh, and it it would it would have helped if Rebel Wilson was a better dancer, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, because like when I saw the trailer, I go, oh, because I, I I do like this premise, this like this old you know like this middle aged woman going back to high school, because it's the same premise they use in this this show that I used to watch all the time called Strangers with Candy. Mm-hmm. And in that movie, or in that TV series, you had Amy Sedaris playing a, uh, in a, huh. al- al- uh, ex alcoholic uh, drug addict who's trying to get her, you know, uh, high school diploma, and it works. It works because it's a kind of a parody of a after school special, and so if you're looking for that type of concept, <laughs> I go. I'll say I will s- suggest. Get go watch uh, Strangers with Candy. I don't know if it's available anywhere. 
I think it's on Paramount Plus or something, but that's a much better kind of absurdist comedy series. <laughs> yeah, th- this is this is more like the House Bunny, the Anna Ferris movie from like uh what two two thousand five or something like that. This is more like that or like uh you know, one of the Adam Sandler produced movies from the early two thousands, like the hot chick. <laughs> that's yeah. that's what this is more like. I think yeah, I think this was playing more into the pitch perfect crowd or the or what was that uh, cheerleading um, movie in the in the nineties? Uh, Bring it on, something like bringing Bring it on or something like that. But Bring um, it on makes trying to be like a house bunny. I thought uh, yeah, if, 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 yeah, or like a a female like a Will Ferrell movie or something like that. What's that one with Tom Tommy Lee Jones? Man of the House, oh, oh, Man yeah, of the House, yeah. something like that or something. Yeah, yeah. It's it's that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I I. Just, <laughs> I yeah, it's, I, it's a harmless uh, kind of comedy that I didn't laugh at w- one time. And so I, I don't know what's what's your grade. Let's just grade this. Uh, I laughed. I laughed once, but I don't remember what it was at. So there's that. What's your grade? <laughs> I did a C minus. Yeah, I was gonna give it a D plus. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm in between that, but I'm I'm gonna lean a um, D plus. It's it's it, although I I didn't hate myself for watching it. So a lot of times when I watch a kind of a D plus D movie, I go, why did I spend my two hours watching this? I didn't have that kind of feeling watching this movie. It's just like, oh, this is just a missed opportunity for a kind of for for a funny kind of comedy that, that never really kind of came to fruition. Um, yeah. The movie didn't even try that hard, really. <laughs> yeah, I say definitely skip it. And I don't think anyone needs to watch this. But it's if you are wa- wanting to watch it, it's called... Senior year, it's on Netflix right now. Um, well, it's not for us. Yeah, it's not for us. Um, is that it? Is that the only thing we watched? Oh, all right. So before we go, I I, I want to quickly talk about the Fifth Element. Uh, I didn't realize that uh, this last week was like the twenty fifth uh, anniversary of the Fifth Element. This is the Luc Besson. Uh, science fiction fantasy epic that stars uh, Mila Jovovich and Bruce Willis and Gary Ullman. Who else? Is there anyone else I'm missing? Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker and Ian Holmes. Ian Holmes. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know what? I said, uh, let me check this out. I haven't seen The Fifth Element in a very long time. So I I rewatched it this week. And I should start by saying that I was never a big fan of The Fifth Element. Uh, I, oh. I remember watching it in theaters in 1997, and, I'm, and I go, I don't, I don't think I like this movie. Rich, You're did you wrong. Like, did you like the you liked The Fifth Element right away? Yeah, right? because I'm I was a big fan of the 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 uh, the, the, the taxi cab scene right away. I, that was just so eye popping uh, when I first when, when I first saw that in, in theaters and stuff like that. Um, that was just like, I, uh, I was like, cool. That's exactly what I, I would, I, I'd love to see in this kind of films. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's very, uh, um, French, uh, comic booky, uh, um, sci-fi, which I, I enjoy. It's a different look altogether. And, uh, I enjoyed it. It's, uh, it's very creative. And uh, Bruce Willis does well, and Mil- Mila Jovovich. 
Raymond, what's your thoughts on The Fifth Element? Are you a big fan of that movie? It's a weird-ass movie. Um, I don't know, man. Um, I, I like it. I definitely like it, but it's one that grew on me. I mean, when I first watched it, I was like, what the hell is this? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think I might have hated it the first time I watched it. But, I mean, there was always things that I liked about it, like, you know, Bruce Willis. And, I mean, he, like, he's... I feel like with, with with Bruce Willis in that movie, there's 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 almost like a, there's this whole aspect like he's in, he's in he's in the movie he doesn't belong or something like that, and uh, it, it it made it fun for me early on. But um, I've learned to appreciate uh, more aspects of the movie over the years. But it's still a movie that I'm very kind of like uh, baffled by every time I watch it. <laughs> It's a weird movie. <laughs> it is a weird movie. It's a it's a it's a wacky kind of science fiction film that's more lighthearted. It's a comedy, really. I mean, uh, yeah, you know, it's a comedy. It's kind of I would say it leans more into Super Mario Brothers <laughs> or <laughs> than Blade Runner. You know, like uh, something yeah. like those those crazy eighties science fiction comedies. Uh, it's almost like the 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 um the live action adaption of uh, Tank Girl. <laughs> yes, it's very much like Tank Girl, and I love Tank Girl. And Tank Girl is also a movie that I watch, and I'm always just like bewildered by <laughs> what, what am I watching bewildered by it that it got made or <laughs> bewildered by yes just, where, there's iced tea is a, a huge uh, uh, talking uh, kangaroo and <laughs> <laughs> everything yeah I love Tank Girl when it came out uh, but I was much younger than when I when I watched uh, the fifth element so um, fifth element I was like right into you know Pulp Fiction came out a couple years before that the, the professional came out before that. And so I was more kind of, I wanted more dirt. I wanted more darkness. I want to see kind of Blade Runner stuff. And when the fifth element came out, I'm like, what is this crap? <laughs> so it's, wow. um, the only problem I had uh, back then watching it was, was Chris Tucker's character was, uh, I thought he was annoying at first. Oh. But then re-watching it and then understanding that he was doing like a Michael Jackson Prince uh, uh, impersonation, I was going, oh, okay, that's what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And then now I'm going, oh, my God, he's ahead of his time. <laughs> it's like he's doing a character that's uh, that's you could see on MTV now and stuff yeah. like that. It's, it's all the Instagram people now. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah exactly. But just even just even having that character there is like, man, that's a this is a weird movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I rewatched it re- just a couple of days ago, I go, okay, I don't hate it as much as I did before, and it's not that I' gonna truly love this movie because I don't. But I I like like you, Raymond. I kind of appreciate it. I think that there's a lot of stuff to like about, it. and I understand what you're saying about Bruce Willis because he's very much an American icon, and he's kind of stuck in this middle middle of this kind of French, English, uh, space jam <laughs> extravaganza, and he sometimes he works and sometimes he doesn't. But as a, as an actor, as or the character, you know, Corbin Dallas, uh, he's it's good. He's actually great yeah. in the film, and um, but I think I think hands down the re, the when I was rewatching it. It, it's really kind of the star-making performance of Mila Jovovich, who wins me over. I mean, I think yeah. her performance as Lilu—it's not—it's not Resident Evil. It's not. No, no. I'm sorry, but it's her performance as Lilu. It's—it's that's the thing. You go okay. 
Now, this this is why this movie exists, so we could get this performance and get this kind of character. And it becomes this iconic thing now. And as much as I think Gary Oldman is having the time of his life playing Zorg, uh, this kind of weapons dealer guy with a Austin or Texas accent or whatever it is, and, and that's fun, but I think it's it's Mila uh, and her, her her performance, and you know rewatching it too, I I didn't really appreciate uh, Ian Holmes's uh, performance. He's funny in this movie. He's hilarious. He actually understands comedy. I I don't understand why we didn't get more comedies from him, but he's funny and he's working against Chris Tucker in a, some scenes, and he's like toe to toe. And uh, Bruce is able to kind of uh, play into his comic sensibilities because you know he has he comes from a sitcom background and he has some really great funny bits too. So if you could see it as a comedy, I think you'll like a lot more. And uh, yeah, so you know, twenty five years I didn't realize it was that long ago. And nowadays I think it works. It's a you know it's a very light movie. There's no big kind of deeper kind of ideas behind it. I mean, it's really just about love, you know, the power of love is going to save us all. And you could like scoff at that. But I think at that time in the nineties, we were kind of thinking that that's, that that's all you needed. We're kind of more, we were more kind of optimistic back then. But, and, uh, but also, also I think part of the reason why the movie, what the movie, part, part of the reason why the movie works is just because, uh, uh, Luke Bazan really kind of like created just this, this world. Even if the story is simple, if it's just a movie about love, I mean, he really created like this whole world to set it all in. That's very kind of unique, and like kind of like you guys were men mentioning earlier with the Chris Tucker character. I mean, that's a character that almost feels like it could have been a character from like a decade ago or whatever, and um, and 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 I mean, and and that's because. Again, the world the world that he created was so detailed that you could draw these like parallels to, to today, and um, I well, think that's part of the reason why the movie still kind of uh, lives on today. I felt it more like like a sci fi uh, comic book, and you could tell like uh, like uh, during the the taxi cab scene, you know, it was like one, once they once you see that, I was going, oh my god, that's Jeff Darrow coming into the screen right there, mm -hmm. and uh, um, but also that scene. I I always liked uh, Eric Serra's score. I mean, I I loved him in the Golden Eye, and Leon the Professional. I bought the CD, and the Fifth Element. I mean, I love that scene where where the um with um the uh, taxi cab scene where they're when he's running away from the cops. Uh, always a great great piece of music there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a uh, very Parisian, right? It's very kind mm -hmm. of like yeah. this. Uh, uh, different elements from different cultures that's very French, too. And it comes out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it fits well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that That scene when Lilo jumps out from the balcony or jumps from the ledge into the the street, essentially. The street of all the uh, cars, the floating cars. It's probably one of the most iconic scenes in the movie. Mm -hmm. And it stands out. And it's a scene that you remember all the time. Even if you haven't seen the movie for a very long time, you'd still remember that scene. And that's the power of what Luc Besant, Luc Besant did with, with his films. He knows how to film these type of uh, imagery 
that lasts forever. And I that's that I think that's what makes this movie pretty pretty special. But I mean, what's some of what's some of the fa- your favorite scenes in the movie, Ridge? Yeah, besides the taxi cab scene, probably mm-hmm. uh, um, the uh, 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 Gary Oldman choking on the cherry. And because I mean, he gets all the the, the, the yeah, yeah. devices coming out from his desk, yeah. and then there's a live uh, a live alien animal that comes from from his desk, yeah, yeah. and is up. Is that a vacuum cleaner? I don't even know. Yeah, what that does. Uh, well, he he drops a he drops a glass from his desk, and he breaks the glass, and the the glass breaks, and all these little tiny vacuums and mops yeah. comes out, and machines comes out, and then uh, cleans it up, and then refills the uh, refills a, cl- a new glass with the water, and he puts a cherry in it, and he swallows, and it gets, and he starts to choke, mm-hmm. and that's when he starts going berserk. But yeah. what's that elephant? A little creature. Oh, that's thing. his. That that was like his little pet. It's his dog. I thought it was like some kind of uh, uh, yeah, was, vacuum like a, thing. No, no. Like he, I, yeah. I, it looks like from the Flintstones, like straight from the Flintstones or something. He looked like uh, whatever the the the, um, the piano playing uh, thing in the the Star Wars um <laughs> whatever the uh, the blue piano playing Max C. Bebo. Okay, yeah, it's like <laughs> kind of like th- that character, but rainbow, uh, a baby one, baby Max Rebo. Raymond, you you have any like favorite moments in the movie? Uh, I, well, I don't know. I guess I just like I like I like the s- scenes with Bruce Willis and uh, Mila Jovovich, and I guess their journey. No, nothing, nothing necessarily specific. I mean, I, I I'll say this: I I'm not a big fan of the opening. I think the the opening is always like I'm always like, what the hell is going on over here? Like with the pyramids and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's very weird to me. <laughs> yeah, the pyramids, they're setting up this kind of history w- behind the movie about how, you know, there's a prophecy and stuff like that, which yeah, again, it felt, it felt Stargate to me. That's yeah, it, 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 the, I don't know if it needs to be that complicated, but I mean, I guess there's a myth uh, or a, an idea behind the movie. Well, yeah, they, 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 every 500 years or something like that, they, they appear. Yeah, there's a prophecy that, that uh, the fifth element will appear to save us. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when I first saw the movie, I, obviously, I think Gary Ullman, because I was such a huge fan of Gary Ullman, I think his character was the one that stand out the most. You know, he's playing this. I heard that he's playing kind of a version of Ross Perot. That's how he got his <laughs> accent. And so, um, but he's playing like this evil uh, a weapons dealer. Mm-hmm. You know, the, you know the way he's teaching the weapons to the to the the creatures there, the 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 mercenaries, the alien mercenaries. I thought that was very funny, but. When rewatching the movie, I think it's the scene that where we first meet Lilu, where basically she is born in this pod, and they kind of tap on the on the window, and she's like very innocent at once one second, and the next second she becomes very like animalistic. She turns into a tiger almost, and I'm going, how does a person do that? (laughs) You know. It's like really kind of a great performance by Mila and uh, that she can like become innocent, but also very powerful in the next moment. I, I don't know. There's some moments I really enjoy in the movie. Um, even though like, when I, you know, you get to that blue alien opera singer, which I go, <laughs> what the hell is this? But I guess it makes more sense nowadays, you know, to be now knowing that this is just straight out of comedy. This is this is something that to not taken very seriously. But yeah, you know, I just want to say some words because it's twenty five years, and 
uh, I watched it, and it's one of those movies that uh, <laughs> it will live on forever because people tend to buy this four day four K disc or the Blu Ray disc just to test out their TVs, you know, and it looks phenomenal. But it's a, it's like a common movie for for testing TVs, don't you? Oh yeah. Do you yeah, agree? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's uh, Dolby Vision too, and it has good sound. Mm-hmm. All right, that's the fifth element, twenty fifth anniversary. Uh, it's a fi- I saw it on a- Amazon Prime, but you got the you saw it on the four K disc, uh, Rich. Yeah, and you, you you like the transfer on that? Yeah. Okay. All right, that's it for this episode of Inside Flicks. We talked a lot. Um, we'll be back next week with another discussion. All right. Go to InsightFlix.com if you want to hear our past episodes. we got a YouTube channel, too. You could go search InsightFlix on YouTube, and you could see our content there. All right. Thank you for listening to InsightFlix. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.